You are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. Hey, yo, it's my life, my time, my rights, my rhymes, my grind, my struggle, hustle, sweat, and my blood, too. I'm ready to smell fear, I smell a lot. My competitors flex, yeah. They smoked, I was hot, I want it all. Excess, the sex, much success, stress us. I want it all, no less, so come on. Uh, you were talking about kinks, Kyle. Um, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, I like we don't always use the baseball bat, but uh, when it, when the mood strikes, that's kind of the way we like to go. Uh, you don't so. like uh, sh- shocking people, or well, I do. I do call my wife my master, so we're halfway there. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, folks, it is time to talk about the Shockmaster. Welcome to episode 130 of Fretzelmania. I am joined here by Kyle from the Apron Bump podcast. Kyle, how's it going today? You doing just peachy. I'm, uh, I've am i always wanted to watch the Shockmaster wrestle. And I, I realized when you threw the show at me that I've only seen his debut his illustrious debut so it was, it was a treat to see him in action if you want to call it that oh yes and you've oh you didn't really dabble into the golden era because we all know that this is uh you know typhoon or tugboat if you will right. in, a, in a bedazzled stormtrooper outfit so this clip if you're a wrestling fan if you've been a fan as long as you know we have uh, this clip lives in infamy with uh botchamania Big shout out to uh, Matthew Gregg. So, before we get into a little bit of 1993, Kyle, uh, you want to hear about some pop culture at the time? I would love to. By the way, before you do that, I'll just throw this out there. Guess what was produced for the first time in 1993? UCW Hardcore TV. No, it was, it was me. I, I was born in 1993. That's where I was going. Oh. But, yeah, UCW was there too. I was going to ask if you were alive in 90. I forget if you were born in 93 or 94, but well, that I was that alive during this show. You were barely. Okay. Yeah. You would have just been a little, little baby. So we oh, had, yeah. we had cool runnings in theaters. Mm. We had Rudy, a famous football movie, the little hip squeak guy that does yeah. the football. The nerd. Uh, the nerd uh the movie where you keep getting older and the chicks stay the same age all right all right all right what movie i know that's matthew mcconaughey but i, I i've heard that reference before but i don't know what movie that's from that's from dazed and confused ah uh, i've never seen it i'm sorry but it's, it's of its time it's not bad and speaking of something of its time oh, oh boy thunder in paradise mm, classic i still need to watch that I still need to check it out. I bet it's great. It's something. 
Now the TV, <laughs> I, the TV. I'm just going to speed through here because this is a lot of shows that meant a lot to me as a kid. Well, for the most part. So we had the debut of the Power Rangers. Wow, I would have thought it was older. We had the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, TV cartoons. We had Veggie Tales, mm. Walker Texas Ranger, and mm. of course, Animaniacs. Well, of course, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good year. Mm. Not too bad. And I, I already mentioned the ECW Hardcore TV debuted in '93. Then we had Nirvana's last album and Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Kyle, would you do anything for love? Um, Not feet stuff anymore, not since the accident, but pretty much everything else is on the table. You, you must have grilled your foot in a form and grill like Michael Scott, right? Well, who doesn't like the scent of freshly cooked bacon in the morning, you know? Oh, of course. Oh. Uh, video games, we had Mario All-Stars, Daytona USA, and Link's Awakening. Yes, and Kyle, you said you were just born at this time. I was entering fourth grade in Ooh. 1993. So here we are at Fall Brawl War Games, September 19th, uh, 1993. Almost 30 years to the day that we're recording from the Astro Arena in Houston, Texas, in front of about 6,000 fans. And this clip that we saw of the Shockmaster debuting and falling through the, the wall, that took place at Clash of Champions just before this, where Sting, Bulldog, and uh, the, the rest of his ensemble were going to reveal who their partner was. And, oh boy, what a what a reveal that was, Kyle. Like, what, what do you think of that? That's just one of those clips that never gets old. Like, even if you've seen it a thousand times, if it's been at least like a few weeks or a few months since you've seen it, go back and watch it because it is a that you you've, you find something new to laugh at every time you watch it, whether it's Sting's reaction or Flair's with Flair's like, ah, shit, or he says like something in the background. It's just it's sensational. He's he's a superstar, the Shockmaster. Or if it's uh, Obi Anderson's uh, over the top evil voice, even though Shockmaster's a uh... Good guy, just it it's outrageous and it's been remixed in YouTube poop all the death, but you know, Botchomania made this thing famous. So can of Coke can Matthew Greg. Mm. It, it could, it could not have gotten worse. It could have it, not gone worse. The helmet falls off. He has to put it on because of the voiceover was separate from him, so he couldn't improvise. So he's just had to sit in it. It's great. And and at least he embraces it. Like you, you go to WrestleCon and he'll be there, like with the bedazzled helmet and take pictures and stuff. So he yeah. runs with it. Give 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 credit to Fred Ottman. He'll he'll do it here. Just if you talk to someone, say if you talk to Goldust about Black Rain, he'll block you like immediately because that was a <laughs> not a good time in I'll his life. And he he doesn't remember that. Let's just go there. Um, in our yeah. dark match, we had Eric Watts beating Bobby Eaton. Our commentators tonight, we got Jesse Ventura and good old Shavante. Just a, a great combination in early WCW. This was right after, I think, Bill Watts stopped being involved. Because I think you and I covered an old WCW where an over-the-top rope was a DQ. 
if I'm not mistaken. That's still a thing, like all the way. Like I'm where I am in my timeline in my podcast. I'm in '96, and that's still like I think it's like just starting to phase out because it was definitely a thing in '95. I think there were some matches that ended due to that, but it's like I like started to phase out around that period. So yeah, yeah, it's still definitely a, th- a thorough rule here in '93 for sure. Well, I mean, it's it's an outrageous rule, and I and I think they would have got rid of that because you had people like Jushin Liger in 95 doing top rope planches back when, right back when he could actually do that well but, they they make some exceptions to that rule though which we'll get into in the first match which is just right off the bat just nonsense my lord and, and there's a story about this match that i didn't know until this year but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it we have for the tv title lord steven regal challenging ricky the dragon steamboat and one of the first things that i noticed here was a big beavis and butthead sign a poorly drawn beavis and butthead <laughs> sign but yeah I-, I love looking at just things of that time bischoff is out running down the card and then michael buffer is out to bankrupt wcw with all of his uh introductions he does tonight Ugh. i hate michael we- buffer man overrated bruce buffer's cool but michael eh, give or take yeah we have william regal as accompanied by sir william aka bill dundee steven uh, regal gosh darn it steven yeah but I, i'm never gonna get used to that but that, yeah. that's how i found <laughs> regal was through lord steven regal so uh-huh in this match here i'm gonna it's it's in the finish but i'll say it now here regal hits a German suplex on Steamer in this match, and he breaks his neck. Real, Regal breaks his neck, his own neck. His own neck when he bridges for the German suplex. It just, he says, you know, he hears, he hears a pop, and then he really doesn't do much with it, which could have been, you know, the road towards his uh, painkillers and drug addiction in the mm. early 90s. Wow, I had not yeah, because he didn't sell it at all. I did not know he even cut a promo. I think it was right after this match, and he, I guess now in hindsight, maybe he seemed a little out of it, maybe, but it, it didn't strike me not knowing that. So that, that's crazy. Could have been con- he could have been concussed too, but this was a yeah. really really good back and forth match. We had Steamer with his classic chops, Regal with his classic European uppercuts. I noticed the ring lights were acting weird during this match. Oh, I unless didn't notice it, that. Unless it was yeah, just you, me. you might have just been having a stroke. It, it, there's a high possibility of that. <laughs> we had over the, t- over the top rope to the ramp, and oh, you spoke too soon. No disqualification for being sent over the ropes for, for something here for some reasons. Well, you I, got, think, I guess you got to touch the floor, I guess. Who knows? Or you have to intentionally put them like clothesline them over or something. It's wrestling's so, weird. This is, so, this is dumb. so dumb. And I think even the commentary was uh, alluding to this, you know, rules must be stretched or they're made to be broken. That's that's fine there. We have a flying giggity. chop. Giggity. Yes, that is a giggity. <laughs> flying chops. So Ricky's selling the ribs because I think he had like, he was Pearl Harbor or something on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You see that that famous karate chop, reverse kick, uh, choke in the corner, and then I noticed our favorite referee, Nick Patrick, officiating this match. I know it's an audio medium, but 
His, the way he, I'm just I'm swinging my wrists and just counting ever so softly like Nick Patrick does. Oh, fantastic. A reverse hammerlock by Steamer. Steam, uh, I thought I heard a faint Steamboat Sucks chance during this match. There must be some yeah. legal fans in the audience. Yeah, they were in Texas, so I don't think the G G. Geo geography? Yeah, the geography. I don't think that would have had an effect on it. Um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like you said, just some Regal fans. Or or maybe like maybe there is a, a feud between Texas and Hawaii. I'm not, not entirely sure. But be there, was, there were some really smarky fans here because people were loving the stuffy Englishman. The suplex on the apron, a lot more selling. And then I heard a really faint Regal chant. And yeah, I guess, I guess tech, Texas loves England and hates Hawaii. Steamer has has the short arm scissor, but Regal, you know, lifts him up a la Argentino Rocca versus Luthez, and that really impressive lifting spot, fantastic. Mm. Uh, there's a chin lock, and I see Steamer tapping out. Like, I noticed that as well. I guess tap because I don't think tapping out to submit really became a thing until UFC, and I think. I know, I think UFC started in 1993, so it's probably just become a thing. And I don't even know if they're tapping out at this point in the UFC. So it's even like up through like 97, like late 90s. It it takes a while for tapping out to become, it's like, I think like Ken Shamrock's probably the guy that brings it in. I, I think that's actually right. I was going to say that. But we had a bunch more great spots here with a surfboard stretch by Regal. Uh, him taking off Steamer's rib tape. Double underhook suplex and a kick out. And finally, that what I mentioned earlier, that German suplex that broke his neck. And we got a new TV champion just like that. What do you think of that first match? Yeah, it was good. It was um, one thing about Regal matches is that they're, they're never particularly pretty, even though like he's technically sound. He always makes it look like a, like just a fight, like just a street fight. But um, obviously, both guys very... They're known for their technique and seeing these two guys wrestle each other, which I've never seen before. I was very eager to do that. And it was a solid opener. Yeah, little little Sir William with his cane causing uh, the wind here over uh, Ricky Steamboat. So, and Regal toughing it out with a broken freaking neck. So, what more could you ask for? You could ask for a trip to Nastyville. Uh, nobody asked for that, actually. Well, maybe. Maybe one lady did. Missy Hyatt. Oh, my goodness. We had Eric Bischoff and the Nasty Boys who have a big secret. I just spoiled it. It's Missy Hyatt coming out to the ring with them later. And mm. they said exactly how we're going to win this match. We're going to win the tag titles with the top rope bulldog, which I thought was oddly specific. <laughs> In the t front left corner, we're going to do it at minute 18. It's very bizarre. It was, yeah, the, the, the Nasty Boys, their promos, man, are, they're just like a caricature of like, it's like when skits try to make fun of wrestling promos, like that's what the Nasty Boys are. Just a bunch of yelling and spitting and let me tell you something. But that's their charm, I guess. And I actually met Brian Nobbs and that that definitely holds true. He was definitely cutting promos like he he was given out about my nwo shirt but he actually wound up being a very charming guy we had a pretty we had a pretty fun chat he's he's massive like he's tall he's as tall as he is wide he's a big boy really yeah i have a picture of his asshole i've seen that that, yeah. that has blessed my timeline a couple of times in recent memory for 
I don't know why. IWC is fucking weird, man. Like they're they're messed up people. Like wrestling fans. It's not are a bad butthole though. I'll give him that. I mean, he's better than. <laughs> he looks like he, he. Well, I clean mine too, but his look like it has been recently bleached. Yeah, he probably does the uh, colonics. Definitely has a bidet. Shaven. Good on him. Good on him. Yeah, if you want to hear a viscerae used to talk about colonics like all the time. Oh man, could you imagine being the nurse in charge of that? No. <laughs> no, no. I can imagine being the nurse in charge of this next match. We had oh Big Sky versus Charlie Norris. Uh Big Sky here is from Saskatchewan, and he looks like someone tried to draw Chris Jericho from memory. That's what I said. Is I said big Chris Jericho is what he looks like. And uh, if he looks familiar to you or anyone here who's listening to this, he is actor Tyler Maine, who played Sabretooth in the X-Men movies, like the ones I think before. Uh, oh. What's that guy's name? He was in Goon with Sean William Scott. Oh, Schreiber. Before Schreiber played uh, Sabretooth. I don't know. So that's the first it, but I have heard of it. Oh, yeah. Pretty darn good, and he was also in The Scorpion King and played Mike Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, okay. Okay, good on you, big sky. So he's been around, and, and Charlie Norris, who I think, yeah, he just passed away this year. He is a legit <clears throat> Native American, and uh, this match was very small, very quick, very by the numbers. It's a pump kick and a chop for a win. Kyle, what do you think here? Well, I'll tell you this. When I'm watching one of these older shows and I, I see two guys that I don't recognize, I'm fully prepared for this to be an awful match. <laughs> and I mean, it was fine. It wasn't particularly exciting. There was some we want flair chance during this match, uh, some boring chance, but yes, yeah, whatever. But by, by the way, why does the why does the white guy have the Native American name and vice versa? Like, wouldn't you think Big Sky would be the uh the Native American fella. You know what? That's that's that, that sounds more apt, I think. Like runs with bull and cooks with Crisco. Like you know those classic Native American names. Yeah, Tatanka, Buffalo, or who's that guy in NXT? Eddie Thorpe. Is he Native American? Hey, he I might be. He, I, I, don't know. I think he dabbles a little bit with it, but it's uh, yeah, <laughs> when he feels it, like it. <laughs> When he feels like it, much like, you know, I think who was the one guy that wasn't, but always dressed Chief J Strongbow, I think was one of those like fake ones, but. Wow. I yeah. didn't know that. You're just, you just rocked my world there. It's one of them. I probably got it wrong. Knowing me, I actually very much did, but yeah, th there was really nothing to this match. And the only notes I took down is what all the movie roles that uh, big sky did and, or yeah. Chris Jericho, whatever the frig you want to call him. We get into it's our next match here. Oh, well, you're gonna no, no, you go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say that that his movie roles are more notable than his wrestling ability, so I can't blame you there. Oh, he, that's much like um Kurgan, back when back mm. when he was in the Oddities, and then he did 300. He did was it Troy? Did he do Troy too? I can't remember, but I know that Kurgan was in 300, so he's another one of those guys. Yeah, or Nathan Jones, huh? Well, the Colossus of Bago Road. Who could forget? Uh, 
I reviewed him in my timeline, and he's going to be weaseling his way back in there sometime soon, I think. so. Oh, lucky you. Oh, boy. Speaking of lucky us, we get to talk about Dave Sullivan. Dave Sullivan. Dave Sullivan? All right. Did you get to him in your timeline yet? I have. Was he here? He's not the equalizer, is he? He is. No, sh- is he really? Yep. That's so funny. I was because I've dogged on Dave Sullivan a bunch, but I was like, man, this equalizer guy looks pretty badass. I don't know why he didn't stick with it. I, I'm I'm actually gonna Google yeah, this gonna, on air. But gonna, my, gonna, my goodness, Dave, let, let me peer to... review your work here. The Equalizer. Okay, not the movie wrestler. Wow, you're right. That's, That's crazy. him. Yeah, or Dave Hogan, the, the poor man's Hogan, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan cheerleader, Mr. T Evad. in pajamas. Evo. The Dungeon I of Doom. Mentally blocked that. So he's tagging up here with uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff going up against the team of rookies here. Everybody, here comes Too Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Buff Bagwell. Yeah. I like we, this we, team. I enjoyed the uh, the purple and gold baby faces here. What, what do you think of this match here, Kyle? Well, I don't know, man. You just fucking turned my whole life around with telling me that Dave Sullivan was in this. I don't even know what to think about this anymore. I thought he, he reminded me of the Butcher a little bit, a little Bruiser Brody, perhaps. Like if you combine the Butcher and Bruiser Brody. Oh um, Paul Orndorff is fine. He's kind of Paul Orndorff's kind of just always the same. Um, and like I said, Tuchel Scorpio, Marcus Bagwell. I didn't mind the team. I like the chemistry. Scorpio in particular. I mean, the crowd seemed to be super hot for him with the, all the springboards and his uh, 450 at the end. It was good, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Fun finish. It was probably one of the better matches of the uh, of the show, really. Yeah, there's one thing with, uh, I think it was Bagwell. He had a few different partners before we landed on Scott Norton's. We had him with the Patriot. We had him with uh, Scotty mm. Riggs, the uh, American Males, one of the best entrance themes of all time. Of course. I, I, I liked this match. The heels tried to get their heat back after this match, but... I guess this feud's going to continue on like Saturday night or something. Man, you got to tune in. You got to tune in to Saturday night to see what happens. Cause, yeah, because I Scorpio didn't he call his shot for the tag titles like before this match into the camera. So I'm sure that'll be a thing. Yeah, that I think these two would be the tag team champions. Uh, some somewhere down the line, we had William Regal next having an interview saying that he's going to be flying to England to be knighted. And I wouldn't fly on- too soon, William. <laughs> you got a lot going on in that noggin of yours. Some swelling, perhaps. There's one thing. If you're severely injured, don't fly. Uh, just ask Chris Candido. Just Yeah. Or um, Billy Mays. I don't know what happened to him, but elaborate. You don't? He, no. I believe he... It might have been on the plane. A suitcase fell on his head. And then he like went to sleep and died. I think that's the story. It's like close to that. He definitely got like a concussion and then slept too early after. So I guess it's not exactly the flying thing, but tomato, tomato. That is no good. And he said he's going to bring honor and pride to the television title. And 
that he does. He would be a multi-time TV champion throughout the course of his career. And he, in my mind, he's probably the most notable one. Yeah. I mean, all the WCW I've covered, which I mean, I started like mid-1994, but it seems like he's always either fighting for the TV title or the U.S. title for years. Where are you right now? Are you just about to hit the NWO? Yep. Coming up on uh, Bash at the Beach 96 here in a little bit. He's Regal. At this point, Regal's in the Blue Bloods with uh, Earl Robert Eaton and uh, Dave Taylor with Jeeves. I don't know where Sir William is, but... Um, I think Sir William's back in the USWA at this point in time, Mr. Bill Dundee, Ah. but Bobby Eaton, nothing says England like a guy from Alabama. Yeah, it's close. He's pasty white and blonde, and he has a Union Jack jacket on, so he's British. Fantastic. Speaking of things that aren't British, we had Shanghai Pierce versus Ice Train coming up next year. What the hell Shanghai Pierce is, or what he's trying to be. You know who he actually is? (laughs) I do not. Please tell me. Not Hog, but Pig. That is Midian. Wow. Interesting. Wait. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, Pig. I forgot forgot he was Midian for a second. Um, Wow, that's interesting. That makes sense. I mean, he had a mask on, right? That was... um, There was Shanghai Pierce, and uh, I can't... The name of the other guy just is Tex Slazenger. Right. I'm getting, I think guy. I'm getting Shanghai Pierce and the, the other Asian guy later in the show. Quan? Something Yoshi Quan. Kwan. Yeah, I'm Who getting them confused. A- but yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, they, they had these <laughs> odd gimmicks here at the time, but Ice Train was a guy that I was very familiar with back in the day here. This was Ice Without Fire versus Vinian. And we had mm-hmm. Ice Train winning of the Power Slam and nearly dropping shanghai right on his noggin what did you think of this one? Ah, you know it was what it should have been man just big ice train just going in there and wrecking wrecking a dude i mean i didn't realize ice train had been wrestling i thought fire and ice was like his introduction i didn't know there was ice without fire as you put it so it was interesting i guess he wasn't <laughs> the most polished guy so maybe that's why it didn't really pan out in a major way but it was a, he had a great look about him, man. You can't deny that. I'm wondering if they're like maybe looking for the next Ron Simmons, perhaps, with this guy, and maybe he just didn't live up to expectations. They were, they were thinking of Mark Henry a couple of years before the fact. Mm, yeah. Because this guy, he, he really reminds me of a, of a young Mark Henry, as I strain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's just a little more... Uh, chiseled maybe like a more like a like if you combined ezekiel jackson and mark henry whatever the product of that is what ice train is i'd have thrown biggie in there a little bit too oh a little bit yeah biggie like a taller biggie i could see it i could see it he was all right here we we see uh a plug for the next pay-per-view which is halloween havoc 93 Hmm. a very interesting event that uh nate and i actually reviewed some time ago it's worth checking out it's got like a cactus jack versus vader match that we're gonna right. hear about here just a little bit later it's that that was the wheel there. right what do they call it the spin the wheel make the deal thing yeah the, was that year that was it was that one yeah 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 not the chamber it's it's, it's gonna enter my brain later but <laughs> we're 
we're going right into the next one. This is a very quick pay-per-view. Like we're we're already getting close to the main events here and we're into one of the title matches with the tag titles. Knobs and Segs, the Nasty Boys, challenging the four horsemen represented by Arn Anderson and quite possibly the worst horseman member ever, Paul Roma. Well, Houston did not think so. They were all about Paul Roma. I don't know why, because, yeah, I've, I've always heard that. Like, he's like the like the black sheep of all, like, the former horseman members, which is, you know, considering Mongo was in there. Uh, but Roma, I mean, he had a probably the most exciting style among this match i guess but i mean this, the crowd also loved Arn anderson i mean they love the horsemen i feel like the horse and horsemen were just always loved you know it's at, at a certain point they just had the respect behind them were like especially in kind of like a smarky environment like this show kind of was like they were all about them yeah whether they were face or heels they were always beloved and there's a bit here where brian pillman is alluding to the fact that the hollywood blondes didn't lose the tag titles because mm. Hillman didn't even wrestle in the match where Arn and Roma were beating the Hollywood Blondes for the titles. And I think I reviewed that one at some point in time as well. Then we have the secret weapon of the Nasty Boys, Missy Hyatt, a.k.a. the Sonny of the 80s. A walking riot. A walking riot. That's what she's called in ECW. I Okay, that's... that's (laughs) news to me but th- this is someone who okay i don't know if you'll appreciate this or not she has a you shoot video where she is rating wrestlers dicks oh okay i'm into it i didn't delve further at all because i'm like i don't care about how big someone's horn is but this is not a good look missy not a how many how many dicks did she rate give or take more than a dozen probably about a dozen Baker's dozen, perhaps. I could see it. Somewhere somewhere in that regard. Uh, 37 in a row, perhaps. <laughs> uh, she's yeah. gross. Oh, very much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Romo, though, is he the worst horseman? Because we had Jeff Jarrett in there. We had, God bless him, you know, what he's going through now. Mongo, just tragic what he's going through. But him as a horseman, eh. Sid was one for a brief period of time, but any slander towards Sid will result in violence coming from me. Right. Right. He's the ruler of the world, after all. Paul Roma is not... uh, He's not a master nor a ruler, Paul Roma. He's the the glory of power and glory, though. That's something. Didn't Paul Roma and... um, What's his dick? Paul Orndorff, they had had a team. Uh, Pretty wonderful. Yeah, that was good. Oh, that yeah. was good. Wonderful. It wasn't good. Nasty Boys, that was very good. Nasty Boys are calling their shot here. They want to win with the top rope bulldog, and Michael freaking Buffer out here again, bankrupting the company. Just do they just have endless? Is, is Tony Khan running this company? Does he just have this endless supply of money? In the, in the blue corner, wearing red with blue trim. Did his taxes early this year? It's like useless facts that he's just shut up, Michael Buff. Just give me the name of the guy and move on. He calls himself the uh, come, you know, we, we pay you by the word here. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse it's Ventura here is busy looking at Messi instead of doing his job. 
You could blame him. We have uh, Tony. Ask no, sorry, Ventura asking Tony if Missy for Missy Hyatt does the carpet match the drapes, basically. Oh, he, there's he probably no, it, probably no carpet said, if I had to guess. He says, "What does he say?" He says, "Is she a natural blonde?" Just we know what you're saying, dude. Just no. <laughs> and Who it was painted this, those pants on her? It was in this match that I noticed that the announcers were way too close to the ring. Yeah, that was like a common thing, which is so bizarre. They're like right up against the apron, which is a weird move. But I mean, I guess. Oh, well, I was about to say it makes sense because you can see the action, but they're still looking at their monitors. So I don't know if that's completely necessary for them to be there, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I think they were like closer to one ring instead of the other, which is why they may have had their monitors. Hmm. Perhaps. And then out of nowhere, we have Arn Anderson pulling out a Glock. Did he? I must have missed that part. Yeah, you have to freeze frame it at the uh, 69th minute just to, to get. Oh, that. I see. 69.420. OK, gotcha. exactly. The crowd here was all over Missy Hyatt saying, take it off to Missy and chanting Porky Pig to uh, to Brian Nobbs. <laughs> oh, you see, I thought it was the other way around. My mistake. You know what? You you might be right, actually. I might be wrong on this one. We'll have to review the tape. Yeah, we'll review the tape. I'll put on the network here in just a second and see if I can spend 30 minutes navigating to find the damn thing. <laughs> this is a very plotting match. They reference the Houston Oilers, who blew a 35-point lead with 10 minutes left. Oof. That's rough. Roma goes for a splash, but the referee is distracted. Sags goes for the top rope elbow and not the Bulldog. And the Nasty Boys are your new tag team champions. What do you think of this, Kyle? Well, there was no Bulldog, so like, what the hell? You know? I guess they tried, but, you know, when you call your shot like that, you better you better be able to follow up on it. So I was pretty disappointed with the the lack of dogs of bull in this one. I think Rick Steiner may have may have uh, gotten a hold of Shivani somehow and said, if he does a bulldog, like, we're, <laughs> we're coming in here to sabotage this thing. That's my shit. Doesn't work for me, brother. Doesn't work for me, brother. What does work for me, brother, is this next bit with Cactus Jack. So we had here a pro we had a promo. He's talking about a match with Vader that they that. Uh, I think he won or Vader won via count. No, Vader won via count out because of a powerbomb on the floor. Mm. And this precious bag of God knows what has been stolen. And Cactus Jack is having amnesia here. He thinks he's a sailor on shore leave. Uh, his what is I think his actual wife and actual children come in here and say, you know, we're your family. I don't know you, but Swerve, bro, this winds up being a ruse to get one mm. over on Big Van Vader. Uh, Race here was getting all these mysterious packages. And we get Cactus Jack coming back here with this bag of God knows what. That, what's in that bag that, that Harley Race stole, Kyle? What's in the bag? Yeah, I have no idea. I was just so 
this was like a whirlwind of things going on. He gets amnesia, and then he's shaven, and now his family's here, and now there's a bag, now there's a cactus inside a box. It's a lot going on. I couldn't really get past the amnesia bit. I feel like nobody gets amnesia anymore. I feel like that needs to make a comeback. I, I honestly thought they were doing that with uh, Elias Ezekiel for a little bit. That were... <laughs> That or Ezekiel had severe like PTSD from being buried by Jackson Riker or something. Hmm. Could it could have been. That could have been. But no, bring back amnesia. That's what I'm saying. What? 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 Bring back what? I said bring. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're doing a thing. You're being funny, is what you're doing. And like everything else in my life, it bombs. But what didn't <laughs> quite bomb here? We got Cactus Jack versus Yoshi Kwan, who can I only imagine being, who can only compare him to a jacked up uh, Father James Mitchell. Dude. Okay, so he comes out in the stock Japanese music that, that they use for every Japanese wrestler in this time period. He's billed from Hong Kong which is not Japan. And he's clearly a white guy with a mustache and a rice hat. All of this just to get squashed by Cactus Jack. Lot going on. Lots on back. <laughs> or is there? But yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting one. It's a very interesting one. Cactus Jack gets a very good pop here. It's a DDT and a quick match. This was a bounty match. So there was a bounty on Cactus Jack's head, and Yoshi Kwan was unfortunately the one to be summoned mm. to collect this. But uh, the artist formerly known as uh, Chris Champion, RIP, did not get the job done. Uh, Harley Race tries to chip uh, trip Cactus up, but he gets hit as a result. And then for no reason, or for good reasons, <laughs> Harley Race gets suplexed into the ring and beaten up. Halloween Havoc, Goldberg, I mean, Vader, you're next. Oh boy. Was, uh, I, I do not have the slightest clue what could be in that bag, but by golly, I'm on the hook. I want to know. So, do you I'm happen to know? It's either cocaine or it's uh, Mr. Fuji's uh, white powder that he blinds people with, which is probably also cocaine. I was about to say, I think they're the same thing there. So, Maybe laced a little, laced with a little bit of baby powder to give it that TV match. Mm, the '90s, what a great time! Yes, and he, we have TV magic here with ravishing Rick Rude. That simply ravishing theme is goaded. Going up against Greg Flair for the international title. Man, uh, is that what this was? Yes. It, for a little while, like namely after Ric Flair came back in early 93, the real world's champion, uh -huh. uh, we had to crown a new WCW champion while he was on WWE TV trying to act like he's another champion. Uh -huh. So th this is basically the universal title of early WCW. Right. I vaguely remember it. I couldn't remember at what point it became a thing. Cause, so is there also a separate... WCW champion here? Like Which in this time Vader. period? Yeah, it's Vader. Oh, see, I didn't even catch that. Shows how much I'm paying attention. There, there, there are two champions, so I guess 
Yeah, it's a brand split without a brand split. That Simply Ravishing theme, it's a banger. And this is, of course, a big gold, which would become the actual WCW title or the WWE iteration of it, which is just to my left over here. Rick Root is coming up with a wanking cloth for some reason, and he says that I'm going to have your reputation, your title, and your woman. He unveils his robe, doesn't tell the sweat hogs to keep the noise down, but he has, of course, Ric Flair's wife on his tights, Fifi. Fifi. Good old Fifi. Gotta love her. Is that his real wife at this point? At this point, and currently, actually, I think they remarried uh, fairly oh, recently. Right. Wow. Good for Richard. I think so. He had, he had a few different wives of the time. And I this was a very, very good match. And throughout the whole thing, uh, I noticed Jesse Ventura was being kind of sexist towards Fifi on commentary. <laughs> his, his mic got cut because of everything he was saying. <laughs> Well, the, the the female and uh, the female whatever her name was in charge i watched this weeks ago so my memories of this are are pretty uh, Di- diane maybe i think her sarah name might lee. have been sarah lee I think. sarah lee sarah lee apparently she bakes cakes which jesse ventura let us know those good tidbit of information sarah lee makes good cakes i remember buying them back in the day he goes mm. for rick flair he he does goes for the figure four early Rick Root is ta- is uh, taunting Fifi from the apron. And then Ventura, the line of the night here, says, that's it, I'm switching to Betty Crocker. <laughs> That'll show that bitch Sarah Lee. Fantastic. We have a, a crossbody through the ropes onto Flair. Root is making Flair humble with the camel clutch and a bunch of chops. Uh, Rude is yelling at Fifi. Rick gets a big, a big back body drop. Figure four. But while locked in the figure four, Rick Rude has the brass knucks. Sneaky shot on Flair, and we have a new international champion. This match was a whirlwind, man. What did you think? Where do you think those knucks were before he pulled them out of his tights? Uh, Same place that William Regal keeps them. I mean, is it like a cock ring situation? Because I can't imagine he's wrestling with that jingling around in his swimsuit area the entire time you know I think a lot wrestlers for the most part wear cups as far as i know so you could have had it like right oh, right in there like just on the inside of the cup just um jingling around the bits in there or yeah under the knee under the knee pad or up the bum i don't know it could either probably a little column a column b but um yeah that was a fun finish there was i mean this, this match felt like it was stretched out like there's a, a long chin lock or camel clutch, whatever it was, and bear hug type stuff. It's, it's also a weird flair because he's kind of the baby face here, I guess. It's weird seeing him in that role. I feel like he's just such a natural heel. So it's like I feel like we're not taking advantage of flair and his abilities here, but it was it was a good match, especially towards the end. It's cool seeing flair hit the rude awakening on uh, Rick Rude and he got rude flying off the top with a flying knee drop. So there was some fun stuff here towards the end. Fun finish, fun heel finish. And I didn't expect rude to win. Uh, so yeah, all around. I had a good time watching this. I totally forgot that rude is technically a former WCW champion. You know, I, I've never really dabbled with this era at the time. And yeah, it, it was 
very good. I think they unified the titles with Rick with Rick Rude just after this, if I'm not mistaken. But so when I started the timeline for my podcast, I started Spring Stampede '94, and it was still a thing at that point. And that's like right before Rude has to retire. Um, I think it's. I want to say it might even be like when Hogan and Flair wrestle. It might be a little bit before that. I don't know, but it's like around like this time in '94 when they unify. Okay. Yeah. And- and and we're we're not long for this world for Rick Rude either in the ring or in the world and just what could have been yeah. with him he, he he was phenomenal like and just amazing shape and the only man of course to appear on Raw and Nitro on the same night thank you tape delays <laughs> legend legendary yeah he was he was awesome man I think even because yeah to your point he never I guess technically he's a world champion here. But I feel like he could have just done so much more. Just an awesome character, great on the mic, great abs, great cock. Just everything you want in a wrestler. The dude was also good in the mind game because, of course, uh, he did this wife on the tights bit to Jake Roberts back in the day. So good. So unique. Like, who thinks of that? You got to be a real dickhead to think of that. Oh, you have to be, you have to be a total douche. But th- this next match here is... Oh, it's the main event, and it's not filled with not that many douches. We got the War Games match. Of course, we already talked about that infamous bit with the Shockmaster, who did not come out in the Stormtrooper helmet. We had him, Dustin Rhodes, the British Bulldog, and Sting, accompanied by Road Warrior Animal. I think Hawk was AWOL at this point, or in Japan, or doing drugs mm. somewhere. Was Animal injured at this point or something? I don't I think he was just working solo at this point in time. And just was, he he was there as just a, a manager, basically. Yeah. I thought it was weird that he wasn't, you know, if they have him, why is he not wrestling? Or maybe they didn't didn't maybe they just wanted the shock master in there more than animal. I don't know. But because he had his like shoulder pads and everything. He like looked ready to go, but he just happened to not be wrestling here. So I I actually didn't look into that. And they are going up against Sid and Vader and Harlem Heat, but not Booker T and Stevie Ray. It is Kane and Cole. That's gotta be Kane. Kane and Cole. They haven't worked as they haven't worked good together since uh, that time at the funeral home. What happened at the funeral home? Uh, Tell me. Arson. Arson. That's oh, I was, I was trying to. Make another one, and it no- I thought and it was like a Michael Cole reference, and I was like, okay, I know he got molested by Heidenreich, but I don't remember him doing that to, from Kane. But maybe I don't know. No, I'm with you though. I'm with you. There you go. And this is a very convoluted War Games match. Well, yeah, I mentioned it's a War Games match. Of course, there are seven periods. Why was like the- it was such a complicated way that they were explaining these rules? Like, there's seven periods, and then after the third period, it's like, no, just alternate guys coming in every two minutes. Like, that's all you gotta say. Just start with a coin toss. Like, they did that, you know. And I watched what, well, like NXT has had what, like five, six war games matches in the past few years, and they're they did it differently the first time with the three teams of three, and then they did like their Survivor Series style one for up until now. Yeah. Like, I think we'll see, I think we're going to see Judgment Day in one this year, which I hope gets Dominic Mysterio thrown off the top of a cage. Probably. 
but it it's weird. There was the first few periods are like five minutes and then your next ones are two minutes and then everyone comes in. And when everyone's in the match beyond starts and this was kind of hard to take notes for, but we had the shock master coming out in a hard hat. So he is not a stormtrooper anymore. He is just a blue collar guy, I guess. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and Vader start off despite the fact that uh, Dustin got jumped the night before on Saturday night. And oh wait, well, he's he wants not revenge. Starting. He wants revenge. And it's like Dustin can't start. Oh, he he's in there. He's fighting Vader. Okay. Oh, it's too late. Eh, too late. Yeah. Doors uh, closed. Are you are you gonna come between those two guys? Uh-uh. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> but Vader is dominating here, but Dustin fires up and gets some offense back. Uh, Vader hits the Vader bomb, and then Dustin is beating Vader with his own boot. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Honestly, yeah. Dustin DDTs Vader. He impressively hits a power slam on Vader. And then the, the heels win the coin toss, and Kane enters the cell. I mean, Stevie Ray enters the cell. Sting makes it even, and then we get a Samoan drop on Vader into the cage, just sandwiched in there. Sid is in next. He chokeslams Sting. Vader is beating the Dustin with his own shoes, much like that shopkeeper in Wayne's World 2. Mm. Bulldog and Cole come in here. Uh, B- Booker flies. And I saw this one bit that this is the spot of the match where Booker flies from one ring into another, just flying Larry. It's a guy. Yeah. Just hurdles the two sets of ropes. It's very impressive. Like, I don't think I've seen that in a War Games match since. I'm like, NX- NXT, that's something that they would have done unless like Braun Breaker or someone did it. I think they've. I think people now like springboard from one rope to the other and then dive in the ring. Or pile drive each other on the bit in between or do a spot from the top. Yo, Shirai, I'm looking at you. Shockmaster comes in here and yeets everyone, slaps meat with Vader, thinking, okay, we're we're gonna get a little meat slapping majesty here. Please. Dustin's boot is still being used as a weapon throughout the entirety of this match. Dustin is wrestling with one shoe, with with one sock out, which has to hurt the foot. And then, kind of anticlimactically, Shockmaster gets a bear hug on Stevie Ray and just wins. He can only win by, by surrender or submission. Rather anticlimactic, Bit, but it was an entertaining match for what it was. Uh, Sid and Vader are sweatily screaming after this match. Cole is denying that he typed out. Sid's like, I demand satisfaction. <laughs> Get- <laughs> we demand satisfaction. Such a, a funny thing to yell angrily at somebody. But yeah, we would lead into Halloween Havoc after this. Uh, Sid would face Sting and Vader would face uh, Cactus Jack in a Texas death match, which Again, I highly encourage checking out. And I'm going to be honest, Kyle, this was a, a a hard event to take notes for, mostly because I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. But I was entertained by a decent chunk of this uh, pay-per-view. What did you think, Kyle? It's fine. I don't think this era of WCW is for me particularly. Even like 94, I wasn't really a big fan of. And especially 95, I was not a big fan of. But I see the value. I see the charm. 
this might have just been you had to be there kind of thing. I don't know if this ages particularly well, especially the War Games match, which has evolved so much since then with all like the weapons now and the the presentation of it. I mean, this War Games match here, it didn't really. I don't know. I guess Dustin bled. I don't know if anybody else really bled. It didn't seem like a war kind of environment. It didn't seem that brutal to me. Um, I don't know if it needs weapons or what, but maybe it's just because I'm not in tune with the storyline or whatever. But it was a shock master. <laughs> like, I didn't know what route they were going to go with him because like, I, I don't know anything about him beyond his debut. So I was like, is he just going to be the goofy guy that's going to like trip on his feet on the way into the ring? And then he's the one that loses or something like that. But no, he just dominates. So it's like, I guess they're still kind of in <laughs> with the Shockmaster. Um, I think eventually he kind of becomes a comedy guy, but I was very surprised by the finish. Like you said, felt kind of abrupt, just a bear hug, but got to do what you got to do, man. But it was fine. Like I wasn't offended by the show. Um, but it's not one that I I don't see myself watching this again. But um, I didn't hate it. It was it's an interesting time capsule, if nothing else. Yeah, um, I, I'm never gonna watch this one again. I contemplated doing another '93 show because my timeline alternates every month with with SmackDown. Mm -hmm. I still might do Starcade around Christmas time, but that also depends on my holiday schedule. Yeah, uh, th this was this was fine. I, I kind of enjoyed the War Games match. The Nick Rude Ric Flair match was phenomenal, and uh, Stephen Regal beginning the his basically the beginning of his ascension of his career because this is when he came to America it was in '93. Was it really? Okay, I wasn't sure where the time because Regal just seems like a guy that's like always been wrestling, so I wasn't sure when he showed up at first. And I, I think I'm probably wrong on this one. I'll go go consult google later but i believe this was actually his his pay-per-view debut and he wins the tv title wow what a what a way to debut and he'd be in the picture for pretty much for forever until you know he's a man's man but we don't talk about that uh, i'm i'm not getting there no that, no <laughs> i'll just i'll say this here next year i'm reviewing 2000 and there's going to be a lot of william mm -hmm. regal when i get there uh, you'll You'll be on a couple of those ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you now because gonna sure thing. That's a heck of a thing. So, Kyle, where can people find you? Listen to you, tickle your bum, OnlyFans, whatever. Well, you could do all those things if you just see me on the street. But uh, once again, friends, thank you for uh, inviting me on the show. It's been a pleasure as always. You can find you can listen to me. I am the host of the Apron Bump podcast. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube. Uh, ApronBump.com for everything. All my social medias at Apron Bump. Cover a lot of retro wrestling from promotions all over the world across four different decades. Uh, promotions big and small. So if you like that kind of thing, which if you're listening to the Fretzelmania podcast, I assume you do. Uh, check it out. Cover lots of different stuff. TNA, Ring of Honor, Progress, uh, mid-90s stuff like this, uh, Ruthless Aggression. I do it all, man. I don't get into the, the maybe the depth that you do, Fretz, but I, I, have, I have more of a, a breadth. My breadth is, is breadthy. So check it out if you want or don't. You know, I don't care. I don't care at all. Yeah, be sure to check him out. Now, this week, I believe you did... Oh, it was the WWE one from 02. Was it Backlash, right? Backlash 03? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. That was a very okay show. I reviewed that one earlier this year myself. Uh, what could have been with Sean O'Hare? That's all I can say about that. Just still pisses me off to this day. Yeah. You can you can follow me That's on important. Twitter. I refuse to call it anything else. And Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast is, of course, on Russell Attic Radio. Say it with me, kids. The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Listen to all of our other shows. Kings of the Rings. Uh, a little bit later tonight, it's Wednesday when I'm recording this. They'll be streaming live on YouTube, you shoot, you porn, where, wherever you find your stuff. Oh, wait, no, that's um, you porn. No, that's that's someone else. That's that's Ritter. Mm. But yes, yeah. and of course, listen to the Kings of the Rings. Nate, the effing great on Brace for Impact. And although he is on a brief break right now, got to send my love to uh, Mr. YLP himself, the Young Lions perspective. Can't wait to have you back when you're ready, buddy. So until next time, folks, TTFN, ta-ta for now. And keep your stick on the ice. This has been a Russell Attic Radio branded podcast.